Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Inviting your attention to the book of Joel, chapter number two. Book of Joel, chapter number two, and then we'll digress to Second Kings, chapter number eight. But if you'd go with me, first of all, to the book of Joel, chapter number two, and I want to read one verse of scripture there, verse twelve. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. I want to continue on with verse 13. And rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious. Aren't you thankful for that? and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. And then, verse 14, the prophet kind of just begins to suppose some things here. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. And a question mark. Who knoweth? If you do these things, what kind of blessings going to come out of it? Amen. You, you know that God is, is tender in his mercy. And you know that God is slow to anger. And you know that he's a God of great kindness. And if you'll just do these things, if you'll just turn to him, if you'll just return to him in some areas of your life, then there's a blessing that will come out of it. Praise God. One more passage of Scripture, 2 Kings chapter number 8. 2 Kings chapter number 8. And I want to begin reading there with verse 1. Then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, and go thou and thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn, for the Lord hath called for a famine. And it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her, Household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass at the seven years' end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines, and she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, 
and that behold the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land and Gehazi said my lord O king this is the woman this is her son whom Elisha restored to life and when the king asked the woman she told him so the king appointed unto her a certain officer saying restore everybody say restore restore all everybody say all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land even until now don't just restore her the things that she gave up for these seven years in other words what she just left but everything that has been accumulated to her over this seven years all of the fruit of the ground all of the crop and harvest that has come in I want it all to be restored to her. I want her to receive it all back again. And uh, so I want to use these two texts here this morning to preach to you what I feel on my heart. God's lost and found department. God's lost and found department. Would you pray with me that the Lord would truly help us today? and strengthen us and anoint us each one of us in this room we want to hear from his word we want to receive what he has for us in this place we know that we desperately need the touch of god how many is hungry for god to help you you understand that you need the lord to touch you this morning you need the lord to minister to needs in your life and situations that you may be faced with in this service, God has the answer. God has the solution to every problem. He has the answer to every question. And He is more than able. Everybody say He's more than able. He's more than able to minister to the needs that are here today. He's not intimidated by any of our requests. He doesn't, he doesn't shy away or, or you know, uh, in any way feel inferior to anything that we would ask of Him. But He's able to do it. Praise the Lord. Would you raise your hands with me and let's pray together. Jesus, we need your anointing. We need your touch. We're praying, God, for your true help and strength today. I'm praying, God, that you would anoint this service. Anoint, God, your word to our hearts. I pray, God, that you would enable me as your minister to preach your word today. And I pray that you would strengthen this congregation and help them, God, each and every one, every guest that is here, every person, God, that is in need. I'm asking you to move upon them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for it, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands to him again before you're seated? Praise God. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. Kind of an unusual title this morning, God's Lost and Found Department. I want to, from the outset today, introduce what I feel is a biblical principle. And biblical principles, if we ever really get a hold of them and ascertain them, and they become a part of our lives, they'll work in just about every circumstance and situation. And whenever we find ourselves in a tide or a difficulty, 
If we have learned these principles from the Word of God, they're timeless. If they've worked before, they'll work again. If they work for those in the Scripture that we've been given an example of, they'll work for us in our current circumstances. But I want to talk to us about how do we get back things that we have lost. We could spend our energies this morning exploring the reasons why people lose things spiritually. What are the causes and the culprits? Why are we allowing sacred things to slip through our fingers sometimes? Who is responsible and when should we be most alert as to not lose them? And Jesus talks a lot about lost things and how to recover them. I suppose one of the most popular settings is when he shares his teaching in Luke 15. And he talks about three different things that were lost here. He talks about a lost sheep that has strayed away from the foe. Speaks of a shepherd that had a flock of a hundred sheep and there was one that strayed away. And that shepherd went and sought until he found him and was able to restore him again to the flock. And there's a lot of things that is underscored here in this particular story, but one of the things that stands out to me is the fact that there is value in just one soul. And I think that is what the Lord is trying to impress here uh, many would say, well, we still have 99, and uh, why would we concern ourselves with just one that strays away by their own volition? Why would we worry about one that just uh, on their own has strayed from the foe? But Jesus is trying to impress upon each of us that he is concerned. And he goes on to say that when one sinner repents, that all of heaven rejoices over just that one. You see, we like to hear testimonies of many, but, but to God, every soul counts. Every person under the sound of my voice is, is worthy to God. Every person under the sound of my voice counts to God and has value to God. In fact, it says in the word of the Lord that he is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all, everybody, come to repentance. It's God's will that everybody be reached. It's God's will that everybody have an opportunity. It's not God's will that anybody be lost. He doesn't want to consign anybody's soul to hell. I don't know what your view or concept of God is, but I want you to understand that he values every soul. And this shepherd carefully sought out this lost sheep until it was found. And then he goes on and he talks about a lost coin that was inadvertently lost. And this lady lights a candle and she sweeps the house and she diligently seeks that coin until she finds it. And when she finds it, she rejoices. She celebrates. Can you see the pattern here? That each time when, when something that has been lost is found again, there's a celebration that takes place. 
There's rejoicing. There's a party that is happening in each one of these settings when these things that were lost are recovered again. I think it's very important as a church family when people come to an altar, when they repent of their sins, that we find it in ourselves to be uh, celebratory and rejoice and, and uh, celebrate with them over what God is doing in their life. Maybe they had not got the Holy Ghost yet. Maybe they haven't been to the baptismal waters yet. But the process is beginning and they came to an altar and they've been obedient as far as they have felt led of the Lord and repenting of their sins and so we can get excited about that amen yes we want to see them baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and yes we want to see them fully receive salvation by receiving this essential gift of the Holy Ghost but we need to be excited and thrilled about what God is doing in their life she celebrated. And then, of course, he, he talks about the lost son. And this is a little different than the other two. This was the result of a boy's choice and decision to walk away from his father's house. But I notice in each of these instances, the Lord gives a remedy of how to recover lost things. First of all, the sheep, the shepherd sought. And he's still seeking today. He said that he came to seek and to save those that were lost. And then the lost coin, the lady lit a candle and she began to search and look diligently for it. And then the lost son, he makes the decision. He makes the choice. Amen. And every person that comes to God, they have to make their own choice. They have to make their own decision. We know that nobody else can make it for you. For the scripture says uh, that you've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You yourself have to make that choice. You have to make that decision to serve God. Your grandmother can't make it for you. Your mother or father, they can't make it for you. They may be stalwart saints of God and prayer warriors and you may have a lineage in the church and a Pentecostal pedigree, but it doesn't matter how close they walked with God. You've got to make up your mind to live for God. You've got to serve God. You've got to be just like Joshua said. As for me and my house, I... I'm going to serve the Lord. How many has made that decision? How many in this house has made that choice? I'm going to serve God if nobody else serves God. I'm going to live for the Lord if nobody else lives for the Lord. If nobody else in my family makes the decision to live righteously, I'm going to live righteously. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do what's right. As for me in my house. Amen. In every case, there was a desire to get back what was lost, to be restored. The sheep, uh, the coin, the son. In each one of these stories, there's the need and the desire for recovery. And I, I, I'm not here to point accus accusatory fingers at anybody or uh, to tell anyone why or or to examine the reasons why you lost the things that you lost. I think at this point, uh, that's probably not something that we need to focus on so much. The fact is, is that you've lost it and you want to recover it. You want to get it back. You wouldn't be here today 
if you didn't want to get it back. It's not as important to focus and, and condemn and, and try to point fingers at the reasons why you lost those things. Amen. But if you want to get it back, I want to point out to you this morning from the Word of God that you can get it back. If there's areas of your life that you, you know you need recovery in and you need restoration in, if there's situations that you know that you need God to help you. Amen. Somewhere you've fallen down in your prayer life and you want to get it back. And somewhere along the way your worship doesn't have the intensity that it used to and you want to get it back. And maybe you're not as faithful as you once were and you want to get back to that place. Maybe you used to walk with God and be so close to Him and feel and be sensitive to the touch of God, but it's not that way anymore. I want to tell you that you can get it back. You can leave here celebrating today. You can leave this house rejoicing in restoration because if I know anything about my God, He's a God of restoration. If I know anything about my God, He's a God that gives revival. If I know anything about my God, I know that He's a God that is able to replace and restore and replenish and refresh and renew people in this house. Oh, I think we ought to lift up our voices and give praise to Him right now. Amen. Because anytime you leave something, you lose something. Now, it may take a little while for that to really reveal itself. In fact, it may appear that you're beating the odds. It may appear that you're getting by. It may seem like that uh, you, you slipped the noose and you're the exception to the rule. But I want you to understand that you can't leave anything without losing. Amen. I mean, this, this principle applies in every area of our lives. People, uh, when you leave the job and, and uh, uh, you're not going to be able to carry with you all the benefits, the, the day that you terminate that employment, the day that you decide to walk away, there are certain benefits that you're going to lose. And, and that's the way it is in living for God. You can't leave and keep certain things, but you'll lose every time. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because in a spiritual sense, you cannot leave something without losing something. So to get back what you've lost, you've got to go back to who or what you've lost. In Joel chapter number 2, verses 12 and 13 here, uh, we see that, that the prophet is speaking now, we know that these verses of Scripture is talking about the great outpouring of the Holy Ghost that is to come. But he's also speaking to a people that have walked away from some things in their relationship with God. And they need revival. And he's prophesying about the revival that is to come to them. And he said, if you'll turn to me with all your heart. In other words, if you'll fully commit yourself. You see, it's a tendency of human nature to kind of hold back and reserve a certain portion just in case it doesn't work out. You know, we kind of want to test the waters. We kind of want to make sure. We kind of want to 
be certain before we step out too far. Because we don't want to make a fool out of ourselves. Or we don't want to be embarrassed if it don't work out. But I'm going to tell you, when it comes to the things of God, you've got to take the nasty plunge. You've got to jump in with all your heart. When it comes to the things of God, you cannot hold back. You cannot live in reserve. You, you cannot live with the brakes on, so to speak. But you've got to make up your mind, I'm all in. I'm committed. This is the life that I have chosen. It'll never work out for you if you're always looking to hold back and use a plan B option at some point in your life. You'll never get the full benefits out of this and really see the blessings of God unless you're willing to fully consecrate and fully and completely sell out. Most of the people that say, well, I, I've tried God and I've tried the things of the Lord and I, I've tried to live for God, but it just hadn't worked out for me. Most of them, the reason why it hasn't worked out is basically what I'm preaching to you this morning is that they held a certain portion of their life back. They held a certain portion of the heart in reserve and said, well, I'll just test the waters and see where this leads to. And if it works out, then then I'll continue on. Well, that's not how it works. Amen. You've got to commit yourself. It's only those that are totally sold out that are really used of God. It's only those that are totally committed that are really anointed of God and experience the favor of the Lord. You cannot say, well, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I, I'm just gonna retain these certain things and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just make sure I'm gonna have a little insurance back here just in case it doesn't work out for me, I'll have something to return to. you got to burn the bridges behind you. you you got to make up your mind, I'm all in. I am sold out and committed. I'm not leaving anything behind to go back to. Oh yeah. How many times have we seen examples of people that said, well, uh, I believe that, that God is able and I believe that God can, but just in case He doesn't, this is what I'm going to do. And it never seems to work out for them. But the one that sees the miracle and the one that experiences the deliverance and the one that God really blesses is that person that says, you know what? I'm all out of options. Amen. I don't have anything else to try to go back to. I don't have a plan B. I'm just coming to God as I am. I'm giving Him everything that I've got. And God, He blesses that. He honors that. He makes a way for that type of person. That type of individual is the person that can be saved. Hallelujah. If you want salvation, you got to sell out. If you want to live for God, you got to give your all to Him. Oh, let's give a little praise unto the Lord right now. Amen. I can save you a whole lot of frustration, a whole lot of disappointment, a whole lot of feelings of being torn. If you could just get this concept this morning that until I give it all, I'm never going to experience everything that I can. Amen. I'm never going to have what everybody else talks about and testifies about. I'm never going to be able to see it as they have experienced it unless I'm willing to give everything. Praise the Lord. People that I see in ministry that are the most successful are the people that, that really give. Every, maybe they didn't have a lot, but they just give everything that they have to God. Amen. They sell out and they commit themselves. And they say, God, I'm all in for you. 
And I want to be what you would have me to be. I want to be anointed. I want to be favored. I need the blessings of the Lord in my life. The second thing he said, he said, uh, uh, rend your heart and not your garment. What was he speaking of? That was a custom in that day that they would rend their garments in a show of sorrow, in a show of, of, of them being in anguish. But many times that's exactly what it was. It was just a show. It was just going through the motions. It was not heartfelt. It was just a display before people to uh, make them think that they were really in sorrow or anguish. But really it was not something that was coming from within. It was disingenuous. And so he is telling them here, he said, I don't want to show. I don't want a display of emotions and then you just continue on in the same way and the same pattern and the same lifestyle that you've always been. But he said, I want there to be true change in your life. I want you to rend your heart. I don't care about the display of emotions so much, but I want there to be a change in your lifestyle. I want you to rend your heart. And not just your garment. I want you to do something as far as committing to me and consecrating yourself that is going to impact your life more than just this moment. But there's going to be something you can look back to in days ahead and say it was at that point, at that moment, uh, where I made a consecration to God that has totally and radically changed me and my future. Can I tell you that each one of us that have lived for God know those types of experiences. We can look back to those type of moments. I call them scotches in our walk with God. When you have the tendency to roll back, amen, when you have the tendency uh, to, 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 to lose ground, you roll back against that experience and it holds you and props you up and helps you to realize, hey, I understand why I'm doing this now because God gave me that experience. How could I ever turn back on Him? Because I had this testimony. How could I ever go back to the beggarly elements of this world because God has been so good to me. You see what I'm talking about? That's why it's important that when we come to church, we have church because there may be a landmark moment that takes place in somebody's life that is going to help them in the future to be able to withstand a temptation, to be able to stand up under the persecution of the enemy, to be able to stand strong in a time when everything is crumbling under their feet. And if they've got a landmark moment when God God has really moved upon them and helped them. They'll never, never be removed. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. He said, I don't want to show. I'm tired of shows. I'm tired of just synthetic things. I'm tired of just you putting on display spiritual things. I'm sick of just the sensationalism. I want something that's real. I want something that's from your heart. So the message is clear. To get back what you've lost, you've got to go back to who you lost it from. Amen. Because when you leave, you're going to lose. Amen. Praise God. And uh, I think it's so important that we understand that. When we leave godliness and holiness, we lose. When we leave consecration we lose we lose his favor we lose his blessings we lose his covering upon our life I'm thinking of a lot in the book of Genesis 
He left the influence of godly people. And I could spend the rest of my time here this morning talking about the importance of associating and fellowshipping and staying connected to godly people. Staying around and under the influence of praying people and, and being associated with the right crowd and, and, and realizing the importance and the value of that. And I promise you, as you grow in your relationship with God, you appreciate that more and more. It's nice to have somebody that you can call on as a prayer partner and say, you know what? I'm struggling with this and I need you to help me to pray about it. Or this is going on in our lives and I need you to help me to pray about it. And this is a situation that we have a need in and, and I'd like for you to help me to join with me and, and pray that God would turn this situation around. Isn't it nice to have godly influences and people in your life, the family of God, and be connected to the church? Praise the Lord. And so Lot... Uh, he, he left the godly influence of Abraham because he followed what he saw to be a benefit to him. He thought, if I get over there, uh, that looks so alluring, and, and I'll have so much of a better life. I, I'll be able to put some roots down. I won't have to live in these tents and be a sojourner the rest of my life. But we can build a home, and Mrs. Lot, she can finally have some things, and my children be able to go to one school, and, and um, they'll be able to raise their families and, and all of that. But he lost so much when he lost connection and left the influence of godly people in his life. Praise the Lord. Following after his ambitions and his desires and what he wanted and what he thought was best and what he thought would add value to his life. I'm going to tell you, what you think will add value to your life is not always the things that are really going to be the blessing in the end. Matter of fact, they can actually turn into a curse if you're not careful. People, they start chasing dollar signs and they start, they start chasing uh, careers and ambitions and personal achievement and they start looking towards this and they get their eyes off God and suddenly they, they're willing to move to an area where there is no church or, or where it's a long ways away from a church for them to be able to go to or certainly not an apostolic church that they've been raised in that would be a blessing to them and their walk with God and they, they are so easily lured away because if I get over there, I'm going to make another dollar. If I get over there, it's going to advance my career. If I get over there, this seems like a good choice by the world's standards. I'm going to tell you something. What you ought to be concerned about more than anything else is your relationship with God. Amen. Keeping it intact and living for the Lord and serving God and committing yourself to Him. That's what's going to bring the real blessing. That's what's going to bring the real favor of God upon your life. Without the favor of God, unless we're connected to Him, His Word says that He is the vine and we are the branches. Our life is not going to be fruitful unless we're connected to the vine. Amen. I'm all dead and alone and by myself unless I'm connected to Him. Oh, let's give praise to the Lord. Let's give thanks to Him right now. Watch, you better keep your connection. Are you going to lose some things? What about Naomi? A little trouble came. A little problem surfaced. And she left the house of bread. Get the irony of this. Left the house of bread to go into Moab that was so enticing to her and her family. And when she got there, she lost so much. When she left the house of bread, she lost her sons and her husband. And 
when she returned, she made this statement. She said, I, I thought I was lacking something when I left, but she said, I went away full, and I'm returning again empty. Call me not Naomi, but call me Myra. Call me bitter. Amen. I've had some bitter turnabouts in my life. I've had some situations that I wish I could go back and retrace my steps and do this differently because, amen, I, I, I lost something when I left the house of bread. What about, what about Samson, a man that was born with his parents making such a vow and covenant? But some way or another, his parents' consecration never became his own consecration. And it's so important that you not allow... Uh, yourself to be a person that is just a recipient of somebody else's consecrations, their prayers, their dedication, and their commitment to God, and never develop one for yourself. Because you cannot live on that forever, Samson. If you're going to retain your power, if you're going to keep your anointing, if you're going to keep the favor of God upon your life, you're going to have to get this in your heart sooner or later. And he, he can never see the importance of that and why his life was constrained to certain consecrations and convictions that he had to live by. And so when he left his purity, he lost his power. This was a man that was mightily used as a judge and deliverer for Israel, but now he has lost everything, and he's in a place of slavery, and he's being made fun of and mocked by his enemies, the Philistines, the very people that he had conquered many times in the past so easily with the help of the Lord. But now he's rendered powerless because he left his purity. When you leave something, you always lose something. Praise God. What about Saul? Saul left humility. I mean, when you find him, when he's first anointed, you couldn't have found a more humble individual than Saul. This was a man that was willing to be told what he needed to do in order uh, to receive uh, the benefits and the blessings of the Lord that would follow. He, he was so willing to listen to the man of God as he told him where his donkeys were or his father's donkeys were and how to find them. He was so willing to initially when he first, when he first was being blessed of the Lord and anointed of God, he was so willing to follow after God with all of his heart. But somewhere along the way, he, he dismissed humility and took on pride. And, and through his pride, uh, he began to think of himself as a person that didn't need a preacher, didn't need a man of God didn't need a pastor in his life didn't, didn't need somebody to explain to him the ways of the Lord and the word of God he didn't need all of that and as a result he contradicted what God has spoken to him and thought I'll in my own wisdom do my own thing and why do I have to listen to that prophet anyway and as a result he lost the anointing the Bible says that the anointing was stripped from him you see when you leave humility Saul and you take on pride, you're going to lose your anointing and your power. Our text, the prophet told this little lady, he said, I know that I've been used of the Lord to tell you things in the past. I told you I was going to have a son one time, and in the time of life, that's what happened. You had a son. You brought that son to me when he fell down dead in the field with his father working. And... Uh, I came to where he was, and you know 
that the Lord restored him to life. But I'm going to tell you that's probably going to be the biggest test to you to be obedient to me at this time. He said, but I'm telling you to pack up your bags and get out of here and leave this particular place for a span of time because seven years of famine is coming. Now, this was her home. This was what she was used to. This was her land. This is everything she had lived for. This was probably the hardest thing that the prophet had ever asked her to do. But I don't see any reservation. I don't see where she held back in any way. But she willingly went and was obedient to the man of God that was speaking as a voice and an oracle of God. And the scripture says that when she went away, that in the process of time, we don't know all the details of what happened in those seven years, but in the process of time, the famine was over, and she was allowed to come back. And the king noticed where she went when she wanted to regain and be restored, when she wanted to get her land back and her home back and the things that she had left back. The scripture says that she came to the king. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't get back what you need and if you're going to recover what you've lost, you're going to have to get back to the king. You're going to have to make your way Amen. Before the king. And you're going to have to cry out to the king. You're going to have to call upon the king and make your request known unto the king. The scripture says uh, that when she returned and began to ask for these things to be given back to her, that the king wanted to know. He had asked the servant Gehazi. He said, tell me a little bit about the powerful things that happened through the prophet Elisha. I'd like to hear some testimony. And he began to explain about the Shunammite woman's son being restored back to life. And, and it was amazing the timing of this all happening. I'm going to tell you, God works in, in a spiritual sequence of time. And if we can ever get on God's schedule, and if we can ever get on His time clock, amen, we'll receive a whole lot more benefit. Amen. You, you struggle a lot of times because you're off schedule with God, and you're not in God's timing, or you're trying to rush what God's doing, or you're too far behind what God's But if you can ever synchronize yourself with what God is trying to do, it's amazing how God can work everything else out. All the details can be worked out if you can get on God's clock. She makes her way in just at the right time. I mean, it's like no introduction needed. She walks in, and, and the prophet's already, or the servant of the prophet's already been talking about her as it relates to the prophet and what God has done through their lives. And she continues to tell the story and the testimony. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to return, you're going to have to remember where God has brought you from and what God has done for you. If you're going to return to that place, you're going to have to remember what it was like to be there. Amen. And she began to explain, oh, all the anointing and the power of God and how that the Lord fulfilled a promise in her life and how that when that 
promised child fell sick and died, that the prophet came and restored him to life. And how then in the midst of all of that trial, there was a peace about it all. And she was able to say, when, when she was asked, uh, how, how is it with you? Is, is it well with you? And she said, it's well with me. How, how is it with your husband? It, it's well with my husband. How is it with the child? And he's laying dead somewhere. And she was able to say, it is well. I'm going to tell you, that's faith. That's confidence. That's having peace and trust in God. How was she able to do that? Because she knew and had trust that God was able to bring her through. Amen. Praise God. And because she remembered, she was able to make her way back and return. And that's so important that we remember that. And the scripture says that she cried out for her land and cried out for her household. I don't get from that that she was all demure and put together and had a hoity-toity attitude when she came in and had an attitude of pride or arrogance about it, but I sense desperation in that. I sense real desperate desire in that. Willing to cry out. Are you willing to cry out to God to get back some things that you've lost? Amen. Are you willing to cry out to God? You remember when you got the Holy Ghost. I, I, I just, I, I, I just want to be forthright enough to say it that I don't think that you got the Holy Ghost being all dignified. I doubt you got the Holy Ghost unless there were some tears that were shed. And you forgot about everybody else and what they thought about you and how good you looked and having every hair in place and having your clothes just right. And you wouldn't worry about all of that. Because all of that didn't really matter. All that mattered to you was getting in touch with God. And sometimes tears made a puddle beneath you uh, on, the, on the altar. Maybe it was that, uh, amen, your hair was disheveled and your hands were uplifted and sweat was around your collar and, and you, was, uh, you was praying and seeking God. Uh, amen. Are you saying that it's all just in that? I'm not saying it's all just I'm going to tell you something it is not in. It's definitely not in pride and it's definitely not in arrogance and it's definitely not in a puffed up spirit and it's definitely not found outside of humility some way or another you got to put on some sackcloth and to get into the presence of the Lord you got to make up your mind amen whatever 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 I must do whatever I must give up whatever I must lay down at the altar I want it because I want this Holy Ghost I want this experience in God I need a fresh new touch and the only way you can get a renewing in the Holy Ghost is with the same attitude in the same spirit. You want to get back to that place? Get back to the same attitude that you had back then. Get the same hunger. Get the same passion. Get the same desire. Get the same intensity. And God will pour it out upon you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We need to remember our beginnings. We need to remember. I'm glad we're not under a brush harbor. I'm so glad for air-conditioned buildings. I'm so thankful for padded pews. I'm so thankful for all these luxuries. Praise God. But I'm going to tell you what. There was something those folks had out in that sawdust. When they got to shouting and stirred up the dust so much that the mosquitoes couldn't even see them to bite them. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. We don't have to worry much about mosquitoes in here. We don't have to worry much about things of that nature. But I, and I'm thankful for it. I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to coal oil lanterns. And I, I'm not necessarily interested in going back to, to flat top guitars and three of the strings broken off of it and the other three not in tune. I'm not necessarily interested in all of that. Uh, I don't think that it takes all of that necessarily to have a move of God, but it takes that same attitude. It takes that same spirit. It takes that same hunger. It takes that same intensity. It takes that same desire. Amen. My Bible said, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's, it's a promise. It's there. It's clear. It's in the Word of God. The only prerequisite is that you get hungry for God. And if you're not hungry, you won't be filled. But if you're hungry, it's a guarantee that you can be filled. You can receive the blessing of the Lord in your life. Oh, somebody that's hungry, raise your hands to him. Somebody that's hungry, lift up your voice to him right now. Revelation chapter number 2. The Lord is addressing that church of Ephesus among the seven churches. And he tells them that there's some things I could compliment you on. Some things that you've not tolerated. But he said, I've got something against you. Because you've left your first love. You left it. And when you left it, you lost something. When you left it, from that moment you started losing and if you don't make a quick turnaround, then I am coming quickly to remove the candlestick, your light, from its place. I'm going to tell you, you want the lights to go out. You want, you want the blessings and all of that to shut down in your life. You lose that first love. You'll lose that passion for God. And it'll dwindle away. The Bible talks about a time in Israel where Eli and there was no generation to pass it on to. And Eli, had his eyes became dim and ear the light of the house of God had went out. And the word of God was, he couldn't hear from, when it says the word of God was precious, it meant that it was so infrequent. It was so, it was so not there that it become valuable just to receive, just to, uh, something that they had been accustomed to in the past was so infrequent now that they could receive a word from God that they hung on every word. It was precious. But it just wasn't there. The anointing just wasn't there. Amen. And God began to speak again to a young man by the name of Samuel. And God brought a revival. I'm going to tell you, I don't want to let the lights go out. I want the Spirit of the Lord to move and to work and to have its way. And he said to this Ephesian church, he said, before you can get it back, before you can recover, you've got to remember what it was like. Remember from whence thou hast fallen. And then he said, return. 
return. I want you to go back. I want you to do whatever's necessary. I want to tell this church, if you lost your joy, you need to return to praise. You need to return to worship. You said, well, I, I don't necessarily feel like it right now. If you knew what I was going through and what I was feeling and how I was feeling, I don't, I don't read anywhere in the Word of God where we worship God predicated on how we feel. I don't read anywhere in God's Bible where you worship God according to what's going on personally in your life. Amen. I know that sometimes affects us, but we've got to have enough faith in God and His power to bring us out in His strength and trust in the Lord to go ahead and say, you know, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will make my boast in the Lord. Amen. I don't trying to make my boast in what I got and what I don't have and what, what I've done for him in the past. But now I'm going to make my boast in the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to magnify Jesus. I'm going to lift up that name that is higher and holier than any other name. You lost victory and dominion. Return to prayer. Return to prayer. Return to prayer. Return to prayer. Come on, do you have a prayer life? I come to ask you, Landmark, do you have a prayer life? I know you got to internet life. I know you got a social media life. I know you got a video game life. I know you got all of that but do you have a prayer life? That's what I come to ask you this morning. You want victory. You want dominion. Get back to the prayer room. Get back to digging out a relationship with God. Lost direction. Get back into God's word. Amen. Because it has the answers. This is a timeless book. It's alive. Amen. When I read about the characters in this book and what God brought them through, it gives me courage that he can bring me out also. Lost peace? Return to trusting God and quit trusting in your own self. Proverbs chapter 3 said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. There's peace in that when he's directing my paths because I can't make any bad decisions as long as he's making them for me. I don't have any regrets as long as he's making the, and setting the direction for my life. Has your first love been replaced by money and personal ambition and personal achievement? His message was not only one of rebuke, but it was one of restoration. And sometimes we stop with a rebuke and we don't get to the restoration. But I'd like to go a little further with this this morning. If we will return, he ends the story by saying, you can get it back. You can get it back. And in the story of the little lady in 2 Kings chapter 8, she not only got back what she had left, but everything that was accumulated while she was gone. Oh, that's a deal, isn't it? How would you like to go on vacation and come back? And They said, well, I gave you a raise while you was gone. You was doing such a good job of being gone, I gave you a raise. Thought I'd just go ahead and give you, throw in a bonus, and we're going to give you a better benefits package. We're going we're gonna to increase, we're going to increase things for you. Oh, that didn't seem right to us naturally, but we're serving a God that his ways are above our ways. His thoughts above our thoughts. And He's able. He's able to restore. Every bit of ground that was lost, He's able to make that much up and more. Can you say praise the Lord? But you've got to return. You've got to get back. 
Sometimes it requires taking an assessment, personal evaluation of things, taking some inventory. So important. I read some time ago, I think it was back in maybe around 2009, 2008, 2009, Starbucks was, you know, especially back in those days, was spreading across the land. Many cities had multiple locations. And uh, some of them you could see from standing in the doorway of one, you could see another one down the street. That's just how close they were and how thriving the business was. It's been said that New York City operates and functions on Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks coffee. And they couldn't get along without it. And if they're that angry in traffic, having had their coffee, I'd hate to see them without it. So we don't want them to go on strike. But because of the economic shutdown and slowdown in 2008, Starbucks began to go through a little readjustment. They had had, I mean, just every, every cycle they were ahead and increasing and going further. And uh, every result of the stock market disproved more benefits and more increasing profits and but now suddenly there's a slowdown and they're losing. They've opened up a lot of locations. There's a lot of expenditures. So the founder of Starbucks, and I certainly don't agree with all of their concepts and ideals about business, but this is a profound principle. He, uh, he said, we got to do something. We can't keep going like this. And he came back and and actually, he ended up taking the company back over. He had retired to just being basically a liaison-type founder and not really somebody that was involved in the day-to-day -day operations. But he came back and took the company back over as the CEO. And he began to visit various stores anonymously. And he noticed something that was happening. They used to have a passion for coffee. Obviously, you've got to have a passion to drink it because it's about seven bucks a cup sometimes. And, and so uh, I know because I, I go there quite frequently. So uh, he, he noticed something. He, he noticed, man, he walked in this coffee shop and he, they got gifts everywhere, things you can buy that don't even have anything to do with coffee. And he smells something besides the coffee aroma in the air. He notices that they're cooking food or they got food in microwaves and going and, and you can smell it and they got bakery goods and all of that and he couldn't smell the fresh coffee being brewed any longer. It disturbed him. So he called for a shutdown of every Starbucks location and I don't know how many thousands that there is but I know there's a bunch worldwide. I want you to shut it down he said, we're going to have a shutdown for, and I forget exactly how many hours comes to mind, maybe 72 hours. We're going to shut this thing down. Well, that's a long time for any business. I don't care how successful you are. And it was a big rest to take. And basically during that time, he said, we're retraining every one of our people. And he said, we're going to get back to why we started this company in the first place. We didn't start this thing to be a gift shop. We didn't start this thing to be a place to buy your memorabilia. 
We didn't buy the. We didn't start this place for you to come and be able to buy bakery goods. And if if we sell a few, that's fine. But that's not the main reason. This was a coffee shop to start with, and we're going to get back to brewing coffee around here and selling coffee beans. And, and that's what we're going to be known for. We're not going to be one that you just go and get your coffee mug and you go and get your uh, your various things and souvenirs and saying that you've been here. We're not going to do that because if we do that, we're going to lose because we're leaving the principles that we started on. And he said that we're going to reboot everything. And, of course, it meant shutting down a few locations where... They did the analysis and found out that they, there wasn't enough sales there, enough market there, market share there for them to continue on in those areas. He, he let it go. We're going to cut some losses. We're going we're gonna to do whatever necessary, but we are getting back to why we started in the first place. Can I tell you that a church has to do that every once in a while? But beyond that, an individual, a saint of God, has to do that from time to time because in your walk with God, you take on things inadvertently. I, I'm told that when, when a, uh, they got it down to a science in the Marine Corps and, and people in the service knows this, they got it down to a science of what equipment that you need to survive in the field and they don't want you to take one thing extra. They don't want you to miss one thing that you're going to need, but they don't want you to take one thing extra beyond what you're going to need because that one thing could be the thing that drags you down and causes you to be a casualty. So only take the necessary equipment. And in life, we take on things. And we, we, we don't purposely, I don't believe anybody purposely sits out and said, my goal in life is to lose my anointing. My goal in life is to lose my relationship with God. You know what? I, I'm just going, I'm just waking up one day, I'm going to throw away my prayer life. I'm going to throw away uh, this sensitivity and anointing to the Lord that I used to have. No, I don't believe it happens like that. But I believe we take on things that weighed us down. And that's why in the book of Romans, I believe it was the Apostle Paul that wrote to us and said, lay aside every weight. And the sin, or maybe it's the book of Hebrews, excuse me, the book of Hebrews, he said, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. We, we concentrate entirely upon the sin, but I'm going to tell you weights that are not relieved, they can become sin. They can become sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because they become a drag to us. Would you stand with me right now? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The fascinating thing that I find about the story of the prodigal son is that he thought that he could leave and never lose anything. Matter of fact, he thought he'd gain by leaving. He thought he could go on and life would just be so good. And it appeared that he was going to be the exception. It took some time for it to be found out. It took some time for it to catch up with him. But he did eventually lose everything. Everything. He found himself in a situation where he'd lost down to doing something that he never thought he would do. And that is that he did feign to eat the husk that the swine did eat. It wasn't Bad enough that he was feeding swine, but it's terrible that now he's wanting to eat from their trough and the same things that they're eating. But the Bible says there was a daddy that never lost hope.
There's a daddy said, it's your decision, son. But when you get here, I've already made preparations. And the scripture says that when he saw him down the road, that he ran to him. Ran to him. I'm going to tell you, if you'll just make a little effort, if you'll just express a little bit of desire, God can help you. God can God can restore you. You've got to muster up what strength you have and make your way to an altar. You've got to do whatever, marshal whatever passion that is left and desire that's left and get to an altar and say, God, I need you. But when you do, he'll run to you. He said, kill the fatted calf. Now, I take from that that he had been preparing for this day. I've been feeding that specific chosen calf for this party, getting ready for this moment when I could recover and restore my son and bring him back in. I want you to put a garment on him. I want you to put new sandals on his bare feet. I want you to, I want you to treat him not as a servant boy, but I want you to treat him as a son. Because he was once dead, but now he's alive. He wasn't talking about physically, of course. He was talking about spiritual death that had taken place. But he said he's restored now. There's hope. I'm going to tell you, you can get back what you lost when you come back to who you lost it from. He can restore you. He has the power to restore you. But it takes somebody that would just be willing to show a little desire. And just willing to give a little bit in the way of hunger towards God and say, God, I need you. Is anybody willing to admit that this morning? And by coming to this altar, you're not saying, you're not saying I'm, I'm a long ways off or I'm not saying that you're a prodigal, you're backslidden in your heart, but maybe you just admit that there's been some things that's been lost along the way that I'd like to recover, Pastor. There's some things that I'm not where I need to be in and there's some areas of my life that I've allowed to slip there's some things that I've allowed to fall. And there's some areas that I need to bolster back up again. And there's some things that I need to reconsecrate before the Lord. I want to be willing to pray. I want to be willing to be renewed. I, I, I need to get some things back in my prayer life. I need to get some faith back in trusting God and, and, and giving things to the Lord. I've carried a heavy burden of stress and anxiety and all of that that is unnecessary because I haven't cast my cares upon Him. I haven't yielded everything to God. I haven't trusted Him in the big areas of my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, God's here to move on somebody. God's here to really help someone today. You can get it back. You can get it back. You don't have to stay in a condition of loss and the condition of not having what you once had or being weakened but you can get it back you can recover all hallelujah 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 God wants us to come and seek his face and call upon him he said rend your heart before me don't just put on a display for somebody else to see, but really, if you'll get with me, and if you'll really zone out everything else out and focus in on touching God, 
getting a hold of heaven today. Hallelujah. God will work some things out. God will take care of some areas of your life. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Come on, call on His name, church. Call on His name, church. Hallelujah. Somebody's going to get their faith back and trust back in God. The devil's tried to damage it. The enemy's tried to bring it to ruins. Oh, the devil's tried to beat you down and tell you that you'll never get back that prayer life. You'll never be at that spiritual height that you were before. You'll never get back to that joy and that peace in God that you once possessed. But I'm telling you, he's a liar. There's a, there's a God that's willing to run to where you are if you'll just make some steps towards him. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. You may not have the strength to make it all the way, but you can fall in his arms and he'll carry you. He'll help you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's call upon him. Let's call upon him. Let's call upon him.